in the following directives, or in this version that I have here, it says, but what, in what I instruct you, in, in what I'm about to instruct to you next, I don't commend you. That is the amplified version. But in what I instruct you next, I do not commend you. Because when you meet together, it is not for better, but for the worse. Now, here is the question. I'll go back to the, other, uh, to the title, uh, my friend there. And the title is, when I get together with others. This time we are talking about in the context of the church. Am I adding nyongerako or am I subtracting vantolako? I really want you to take a minute with that question, Kathy. Webuzenti, mukubera oku angewa no mukanisa. Nyongerako, vantolako. Now, don't you turn, not yet. Don't turn to your neighbor to ask them grace or mubuza, mubuza, Sarah, auntie, Sarah. Not yet. We might get to that. But I want you to ask yourself that as you look down, uh, Sister Jackie Alua, Abana Boba Bodidi, Timusumba, you never to be a Yogera Kenok church, a teacher, be serious. He really wants us to think about the question in our presence here, the time we are spending here. Are we adding to what we have found or are we taking away from what we have found? And that is a question that is taking us back to this title. And the title is, am I doing more harm than good? Because when Paul talks about the church in Corinth, he is really essentially talking about the church everywhere. I want you to know a little quick background. The church that he is writing about is actually a church that he cared for very much. It is true when you read uh, uh, history, it is true that you will find, let's actually read that history in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 18. Yes, chapter 18. In the book of Acts chapter 18, when you take a, just a little quick reading there, you can quickly realize that it is true that the church we are talking about was indeed uh, planted or started by Paul. Now, after a few years, not even two years, it was about uh, just close to two years, he goes away and he hears, he hears that the church that you started uh, several years ago, it, it is falling apart. It is falling apart. And he's hearing all kinds of different things. That is why when you read the entire uh, episode or the letter of the church to Corinth, you notice that he's specifically writing to respond to some specific matters or subjects and this happens to be one of those what does it say here as we take a quick context i mean yes a quick background here so uh not to not to distract you but uh this was a a, a very brief quick announcement that i was meant to make the young man that you see there uh, steven just so you know, I have permission from the mother to say what I'm about to say. Uh, this man uh, that you see here, handsome and, and, uh, and cute as he is, he, he sometimes struggles with following some of the guidelines that uh, other people find easy to follow. Not out of anything bad, not out of anything wrong. And what we are going to do here as a church, unless he is doing something unsafe, uh, please let him be. Please let him be. And uh, that, that is an official position from your pastor when it comes to uh, Stephen. And there are other children. Uh, with time, I might say a little bit in detail. But 
I just want you to always approach this with a lot of sensitivity and a lot of uh, compassion. If you have to redirect uh, one of our children that struggle with some of these social norms, some of you are so okay with following these social rules so much that you forget that some people actually truly sincerely struggle with observing these uh, social norms that society uh, puts in place. So I'm saying all those words to say, when we see Stephen, if you have to open your mouth to say something about him, please be sure it is compassionate, be sure it is considerate. That is uh, an official uh, request uh, from your pastor regarding uh, that handsome man, Stephen. Let's go back. We are trying to appreciate the context. Where is Paul coming from as he writes this cautionary letter that he writes to the church at Dominion Church? Uh, now, if we do a little theology there, we want to always remind you that the Bible was written for us. It was written to specific uh, groups. For example, in this case, the Bible, uh, this letter was written to the church in Corinth. But we want you and I to always appreciate that there is some, there's always something for, for us. Okay. So it is okay, it is biblically sound if you say right now, uh, Sister Maria, that the church at Dominion Church, that this letter was written for the church at Dominion Church. Here is the quick background, just to appreciate that it is really Paul that had re, uh, uh, started this church, the one he is talking about. After this, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. Asmona, I'm going to read uh, without stopping up to verse, I'll stop at verse 11. <clears throat> so if you're able to, uh, actually, is there somebody who would rather read than myself? What do I got? Uh, is there anybody who would like to read without pausing up to verse 11? Thank you, Jackie. Uh, please uh, amplify her microphone. Uh, we want uh, people to hear uh, good what she's reading. Maurice. Yeah, let's start from verse 1, and we're going to go up to verse 11. Thank you very much. Acts 18.1. After this, Paul departed from Athens. And May we stand uh, every time we read scripture. Acts 18.2. There he met a Jew called Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently arrived from Italy with Priscilla, his wife. Due to the fact that Claudius had issued an edict that all the Jews were to leave Rome, and Paul went to see them. Verse three, and because he was, he was the same, he was of the same occupation. He stayed with them, and they worked together, for they were tent makers by trade. Verse four, but he discussed and argued in the synagogue every Sabbath and won over both the Jews and Greeks. Verse five. By the time Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was completely engrossed with preaching, earnestly arguing, and testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Verse 6, But since they kept opposing and abusing and reviling him, he shook out his clothing against them and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles, the heathens. 
verse 7, he then left there and went to the house of the man named Titus Justus, who worshipped God and whose house was next door to the synagogue. Verse 8, but Cyprus, the leader of the synagogue, believed that Jesus is the Messiah and acknowledged him with joyful trust as Savior and Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians who listened to Paul also believed and were baptized. Verse 9, and one night the Lord said to Paul in a vision, have no fear, but speak and do not keep silent. Verse 10, for I am with you and no man shall assault you to harm you, for I have many people in this city. Amen. That is God saying that he has so many people in the city? Correct. Okay. So he settled down among them for a year and six months, teaching the word of God concerning the attainment through Christ of eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sister Jackie. So she, she does that as well. Besides all the other things that she does. So we appreciate you for that. I'm going to highlight us something. So it is the, the, the reason why I'm taking you here is for you to know that the very special connection that Paul has with this specific church. So it is not uh, some, some church that he had about and then God walked through him to write. No, this is actually something that also something that had something personal with him. It is a church that he had started, and after about two years, he hears that things are happening that are not really, really uh, pleasing his heart. And he's so moved, and God works through him to write a letter that has turned out to be an encouragement, uh, a teaching, uh, a rebuke to uh, many of the churches that struggle with similar things. And you can go back as many years as you want to go. You're going to find in every church you go to, you're going to find these kinds of things to be true uh, issues that if not dealt with, they can do more harm than good. But I want to emphasize, the harm doesn't come from the, the, the plants or the, the, the roofs or the equipment that uh, my brother Dennis was talking about. Where does the harm come from? Wanji? Yes, Mchala Msumba and uh, my sister Barbara is they are pointing to themselves. Where does the harm come from? The harm comes from us, the people. And now the question, a daunting question is, am I doing more harm than good in my time that I am spending here in this gathering, in my time that I am spending here in Dominion Church family where love is alive? Am I doing more harm than good? Now, he wants you to also know these things. That uh, he's not writing this to shame anyone. He wants you to know that. How do I know that? Because he says it in chapter 4. In chapter 4, verse 12, he says that I am not writing these things to, to shame you. Uh, if you have it, verse 14. Same, same letters, chapter 14. No, chapter 4, verse 14. He's reminding you and I that the things that I am telling you, don't you think of them as things that are written with the purpose of shaming you. But I'm writing this because I love and I care. In fact, he wants to say that if anybody cares about this church, it is him. For example, it's like Pastor Robert here hearing something going down here and he writes us a letter. 
And he says, guys, I have had ABCD, but it is even more painful that I actually, to some extent, I believe what I'm hearing. For example, he hears that there are some people in Dominion Church or in this church or in this city that have uh, what the Bible calls there in that story that we are reading. He calls it factions. That when people gather, you notice this element of, oh, there's a group there, there's a group there, and there's another group there. He noticed that. Clicks, yes, clicks. See, but people went to school, I tell you. Clicks, clicks. He notices that there are clicks, and he says, mm, that really doesn't align with what I was hoping that happens when you get together. Now, clicks cannot happen unless people participate or form them. He's saying now to you, am I doing more harm than good? Mukisa, you look deep down, am I doing more harm than good? Now, here's the question to the point of clicks. What is your contribution to clicks? What is your contribution to the clicks? I have to mention uh, something that has, uh, that pained me last Sunday. Somebody approached me to just let me know that they really had to, to be discomforted by having to turn to somebody and say, guys, you're really distracting what is going on. Do you know how difficult it is to, to rebuke somebody like that in the context of church? So today we are trying to hear the word and somebody next to you or around you is so destructive to the point that you have to open your mouth and say something about it. Somebody had to do it last Sunday. But why would you behave in such a manner that you have to really require somebody to say something like that to you? Now, these seem like simple examples, but it is exactly what Paul was talking about. He was talking about this situation or this tendency where uh, you know, our local to Janobu Zebuafi, Mutaloko Kane, Obuzene Bumusigalam, Mamuganzo Sebusesi. It is true, we, we become uh, born again, but there are some things that remain, they, they linger around in terms of how we behave and how we talk and how we do things. And I want you to appreciate the seriousness of what uh, Paul was talking about. He said he has observed that your meetings do more harm than good. Now, of course, he knows the importance of getting together. That's not even what he's talking about. In any case, he's commending them for meeting. But he wants to make sure that all of us, when we gather, nobody is doing more harm than good. In other words, we are going to even be intentional about doing good. It's good not to do harm, but it's also better to intentionally do good. So what good have you done uh, to your neighbor since you have come to church this morning? And I want you to, to don't think of that as a simple question. I want you to consider that as exactly what uh, Paul is talking about here as he, gets, as he is very concerned about the harm that he had seen happening when people gathered together. Uh, we, we can talk about some examples of harm as we get really close to uh, concluding uh, this conversation or this word. I have learned uh, many times that it's not so much the how much a preacher, uh, how much time the preacher takes here. It is true that in the whatever short time the Holy Spirit has uh, calculated that will speak for, it is true that his message will be passed on regardless of the time. So I am not so keen on taking uh, an hour because we do not have it. 
But what are some examples of harm? If we go back to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 11, uh, Paul was uh, uh, quite direct and specific in what harm he was talking about. One of the examples of harm he talks about are the cliques. So he identifies that he has found out that when people gather, they form cliques. But there was another one, believe it or not. This other one had something to do with food. Everybody say food. It had something to do with food. <laughs> now many of you know uh, food uh, is something that is loved in this church uh, or even where you come from. <clears throat> but he very sadly also noticed that it appears that when there is food, we, we, we have, we have uh, issues that are, are doing more harm than good in the gathering. Now, of course, he's not saying don't bring food in the gathering. Absolutely not. Food actually brings us together in so many ways. But he's highlighting, he noticed, he, believe it or not, he heard that when people come together to eat, he noticed that some people would eat too much and other people would barely have anything to eat. It became so important to the point that he had to address it. Musumba. Emeri. Emeri yali yuza kanisa. Emeri yali etuse okuyuza ekanisa. This is serious. This is serious. Uh, uh, this, uh, this is a, a serious matter, at least as far as we can observe from uh, what was on Paul's heart. And he was very uh, clear to remind them that, no, 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 whatever I am going to say in this letter, don't register it as something that I'm saying to shame you. In, in any case, when you catch how he phrases what he says, you catch that pastoral uh, kindness and that heart that cares for the ministry, for the harmony, for the harmony of the, of the ministry. So I beseech you by the mercies of God to refuse to be the one that takes away. Be the one that adds. Now, it's okay now. We can take a quick moment. You can turn to your neighbor now and say, <laughs> Are you doing more harm? Are you doing more good? Now, there are many things we can say about this, this specific uh, title here. It is true that sometimes you go to a place and there are some good things you find going there. And you determine that you're going to do whatever it takes to antagonize, to, to, to disrupt that flow that you have found there. But I want you to remember this as the story that I've told you here many times, that it is always the devil. And I mean this with every single ounce of energy in me. It is the devil. So the devil does not like when the children of God are having a smooth or are united or are in one accord. The devil doesn't like that. So what the devil does though, the devil does not use chairs or use uh, plants. The devil utilizes people. Now, this is where I would ask you, what is it about you that always uh, makes you the one who wants to volunteer whenever the devil knocks on the door of Dominion Church? Because 
the devil doesn't use chairs. He doesn't use these things. He uses people. So be on the alert. Be on a very, very sensitive alert. That if the devil is trying to pull what, another one, because the devil has pulled a few things uh, on us uh, <laughs> over the years. We've been here since 2002. Yeah, he has pulled a few things over, oh, 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 yeah, on us. But it resolved from this day. And say, so if the devil is to knock her, uh, on that door, I'm not going to put my hand up to be the vessel, the instrument, or the tool that he's going to be using to, to disrupt the ministry again. Can anybody, is anybody hearing me on that one? That we are making a resolve by the grace of God. By the grace of God. You know why I say by the grace of God? It is because in our own physicalness, in our own physical way, we wouldn't desire something like that. We are so quick to participate, as the Bible says, I think in Proverbs 6, verse 15, 16, 17, when God makes a list of the things he hates. You know one of the things he hates? feel like going there. Let's go there. I never really planned to go there, but uh, that is where the Holy Spirit is taking us. Okay, so Proverbs chapter... Did I say 6? Six and uh, did I say a verse? 16, okay. Let's do 16. Let's start from 16. May we stand as we read this? Now, this is what, if you're reading you from your own Bible, Rashida, what is a Bible? Mulong Rashida is a very dear friend. Amchala um, Mganzi. Uh, make sure that Rashida has a Bible uh, by the end of the week. Kandabandi Mulongo Mulala Babidye. We have, she's a, oh, she went to Sunday school. You're in good hands. Solomon, Baba Takwade Bible, don't worry. Don't worry. You just, uh, just know you are in uh, good hands. But we thank Solomon for bringing you here as well. Because we do delight in uh, seeing and receiving visitors. So what I was going to say, if your Bible, as uh, my dear sister here is doing, if, your, if the Bible you're reading from is yours, you can do that thing, like a bracket thing, and write God's hate list. Now, some people are troubled by that word. It is true that God hates some things. Because some people say, oh, but God doesn't hate. But well, this is what the Bible says. <laughs> this is what the Bible says. It's a bitter truth here to uh, confess or to face, to acknowledge that, oh, it is true you can use the word hate in the same statement as when you're talking about God. The answer is yes, Daisy. You can write in that Bible and you say, this is God's hate list. What is the list? These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. Now, what's an abomination? Taboo. Yes, yeah, like all those words there. It is something that he wants to always be so far away from. It is something he doesn't want to come close to. These are the six things. Now try to find yourself as we read this list. If you participate or represent anything here, I want you to know that you're participating in something that is on God's hate list. Now note this. You may, you're probably not on God's hate list. For those of you who have accepted Christ and you have not, here is the invitation for you. What are you waiting for? If you engage or participate in any of these, 
you are participating in something that God hates. Let's read it. A proud look. What is that, a proud look? It is the spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. How clear is that? Jesus spirit, mwami muganzi. Spirit cause it cause muganda mchalantege. Omoyo embera. Now there is something about you that always overestimates yourself and underestimate others. And that is not possible. It's not possible that wherever you go, you are always the better one. That is not possible. There are always going to be some people that are better than you and some people that are uh, worse than you, depending on what you're talking about. That is the case. It, it is not possible, Pastor PC, that wherever you go, that you're always going to be the better one wherever you go. Is that possible? That is not possible. Thank you, my sister. And thank you for bringing your son. Your son told me, oh, no, no, I came with my mom. <laughs> A proud look. And the Bible defines this. That spirit, that, that thing about you. And sometimes it's, it's intangible. Too. You can't point a finger at it. But you know it when you find it about somebody. That spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. Another version says that uh, people that have an over-exaggerated opinion of themselves. <clears throat> an over-exaggerated opinion of themselves. That is the spirit. What did the Bible say? It is number one on the things that God hates. Let's go to the next one. A lying tongue. Ho! Oh, oh. You want to appreciate the seriousness of the tongue? Read the book of James. Read all of it. But if you want, just read uh, uh, chapter 3. Read all of it. He says the tongue is a very, very, very uh, powerful weapon that all of us possess. With it, you can set a whole community on fire. Literally. You can, I know you're always in the community and God bless your soul for that. But he says if you don't watch your tongue, that instrument, the tongue, can set the whole community on fire. It can set the whole church on fire. And the Bible says, now if you use your tongue to lie, he says that number two on the list of things God hates. What is the next one? Hands that shed innocent blood. And many of you might never have uh, in the physical sense of the word, you might never have uh, shed blood in terms of killing a person, but we know enough to know that also the Bible, say, Jesus says that when you hate a brother, you kill. You kill when you hate a brother. And he also says that with, uh, with our words, we can kill. So I don't know how many people you have whose blood you've shed by means of your word. Now, Paul noticed all these things were going on and he decided he has to write something. But somehow the Holy Spirit took me to this place because we probably had to go there. What is number three? Oh, so number, number three there, the hand that sheds innocent blood. Uh, I'm reminded of some people that are actually doing that literally. People that are in a position of power where you have what it takes to instruct that another person's life or blood can be shed. People like presidents in some countries. Anybody knows a country where the president orders people to, to be... Whole? You don't know? You don't? 
Mr. Mugans doesn't know any country where that kind of thing happens. You know, you do. Oh, Lando knows. You want to say it on the microphone? No. <laughs> Lando knows a country where the president actually issues orders and, and people's blood will be shed. <clears throat> so you can speak to the president or speak to the president's pastor to remind them that in, in, in the Bible it says that's number three on the things that God hates. And God bless you and protect you as you do that. But don't, don't forget, in the book of Acts chapter 18, what did God tell Paul? He told him that don't you fear to the point that uh, you, you stop doing what I've asked you to do. I have people, what did he say? I have people in this city. I have people in this city, so don't you fear to the point of not opening your mouth to say what I have instructed you to say. What is number four on the list of the things that God hates? Ha! 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 Let's read it together. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. I want you to pay attention to the word manufacture. Now, some people know about manufacturing more than I do, if, if that is your trade. For something to be manufactured, Mr. Sembegua, you can help me. For You can't just do it like that and you have manufactured something. You are yogurt. You have to plan. You have to plan, William. You know, take a more No, no. You scheme. It's like a scheme. Another version uses the word scheme. It says number four on the list of the things that God hates, uh, Rashida, is a heart omutima. No one wicked scheme. The Bible says that that is number four on the list of things that God hates. It says a heart, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. Now there's number five. What does number five say? No, no, before before you before you go, uh, my friend there, there's another one there. Don't, 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 don't. Uh, who is that? We want to read everything. Maurice, is that you? Uh -huh. You don't want to read this next one? Maurice doesn't want to read this next one. I don't know. I don't know why. It says, feet that are swift in running to evil. No, evil. So as long as you know there is evil, careful. <laughs> I think Kefa knows something I don't. He says, okay, we are laughing about some of these things, but uh, it is painful uh, to know that some people are actually indeed engaging in these things without taking them seriously as the Bible. It is not so many places in the Bible, uh, my, my dear sister, Carol. Uh, uh, I love Carol because of how much she loves to read the Bible. It is not many places where you're going to find God saying that he hates things. God is love. But this place he says, this particular thing, he hates. And what is number five? Feet that are swift in running to evil. How I pray, how I anoint that feet of yours from this day on. 
that it would only run to where your good is. That it would only take you to that place where you're going to do good. It would only take you to that place where good is happening. That it would resist, that it would take you, it would make that 360 degree turn, or that 180 if you have to run away, that you do not go to where evil is. Uh, is that the last one? There's one more. A, a false, what? A false witness. A false witness who breathes out lies even under oath. A false witness who breathes out lies even under oath. Now look at the very last one. And he who sows discord among his brethren. Whether it is a church, and I have seen some people do that in churches. But I want you to know that that is the devil in action. Never the person, and how I pray that we get into really that distinction always. To distinguish between the person and the devil. The devil uses people as instruments, as tools to distract the work of God. So when you attack, I pray that you don't point your guns at the person. Mami nsibiro. Emundu tuzitunuza mumuntu. Emundu tuzitunuza erichi. Erisitani. But we can always stand with that person that you have identified as the person who is uh, engaging in those things. We can stand with them as, uh, as you sit. You may be seated. And in a minute we are going to have Holy Communion together. And we will go home. We talked about factions. The other uh, example of doing harm when we gather is that example of uh, disrespecting those that we think are less than us. And let's face it, depending on what you're talking about, some people are more able in some areas and some people are not as able in those areas. And for me, that is okay. I have done a lot of self-awareness, uh, of course, probably because of uh, the, my the field of work that I am in, it's like a thing that has always been around to do a lot of digging. When you go to study uh, counseling or therapy, you think they're going to teach you how to uh, help people. <laughs> but I think you spend a good 95% of the time really focused on you. And I've benefited so much from that. I am uh, forever grateful for having had that opportunity throughout my, uh, uh, my, my uh, school career. To, to focus uh, that way and I, I am forever grateful. It is true that we need to acknowledge if you're less able in some areas than a brother, that's okay. I don't think God is making mistakes here. He has a reason as to why these fingers, is just, just for an example, it's too simplistic to use these fingers, but I think it's a good example. As these fingers don't uh, really necessarily have the same height or, or, or strength, it is okay that we acknowledge that among us. That when you find a sister who is less able in a certain area, in that very moment of you identifying that, you have just assigned yourself a, a job. Because what, uh, what does it say in uh, Romans chapter 15, 1, 2, and 3? It says that you and I are to bear with the weakness of others. It uses the word frailties. Frail, yeah, that one. Do you have it? Uh, Romans 15, uh, verse 1, 2, and 3, around there. 
Why do you have to go? Okay. He says, We who are strong in our convictions and of robust faith ought to bear with the failings and the kako, that one, and the tender scruples of the weak. In other words, we ought to help carry the doubts and the qualms. Qualms where we as you, you know, when you do laundry, Uganda, where you, you do laundry in the, in, the, in, the, in the basin, and then you can see the, the dirt that comes from the laundry. So <laughs> we have some dirt. So we, if you notice some dirt around a brother or a sister, what is he saying to us? He said it at the beginning. We are to, to bear with that, not to use it against them, not to amplify it, not to, 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 to make it their new name. Chadondo. Uruganda nakulabaku obunafu. Obunafu nebufu keri nyalio. Nanyu mizagondi, nanyu mizagondi, nanyu mizagondi. Watu gede gondi ali watu ne watu. Chino tachisukwata ganyaburonji. And we have a very clear prescription here, Barbara. Agamenti, when you identify a weakness in a brother... In that same act of you identifying the weakness, you have just assigned yourself a role of bearing with that person, of helping that person in that specific weakness. And how I pray that the same thing happens to you, that when people identify areas in you where you're not as strong in terms of your spiritual work, they will do the same thing for you as you are doing, because that is what the Bible prescribes. But also, let's go to another prescription. In uh, the book of uh, Matthew, there's a prescription around if a brother and sister wrongs you. It's a, uh, a scripture that I really commit to you all in, in terms of scriptures that you want to remember. Matthew chapter 15. No, chapter 18, verse 15. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. There's another prescription. Uh, do you have that? Uh, as we conclude. Here is a prescription for, for differences, for, for conflict. Conflict is bound to happen. Anytime you give me two people in the same room, there's going to be conflict here and there. And that's okay. For me, at least it is okay. We have a prescription we welcome both of you. I know you've been sitting there in the back uh, for some time. It was just on my heart in this moment to, to just welcome you both in a special way. May you stand so, so we see you. <laughs> that is Diana and that is uh, Mr. Wasaja. Diana, to you just, just, just wave at them. Just love them. That's all we are. For now, we are going to just do that. Oh, Mr. Wasaja, they say you have a mask. They didn't really see you. Okay. Okay, that's him. Just give him all the hugs that you can. You can just show him all the dominion love. So that as he goes, he, when he talks about dominion, he will know that indeed the words that Sister Jack said are true. This place is where love lives or resides. We say where love is alive. Here is a prescription for conflict, for differences. And this is where we are going to end. 
The Bible says that if you and I have an issue or a thing oba tukaite tutia kasajja kasajja eh kanyamanya kasajja akata male mirondi akasajja eh okamanya nsibirwa tokamanya bantu tibamanya anyamanya kasajja who knows what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about So if Jalam um, even Brianna knows what I'm talking about. So there's this image of that little it's a burden it's a, a it's a, it's a weight. It's a pain that you develop once you have a conflict with, with somebody that you cared for previously. So that's the word the Bible uses the word brother. Just so you pay attention every time you find the word brother there it's it's very intentional. It's not it's not what is used all the time but when it's used uh you you know that he's intentionally referring to a brother and sister fellow believers fellow believers. So anytime you have an issue with a brother what does it say? Let's read it's a prescription of what to do when this kind of thing happens. So that you don't do harm so that we do more good than harm The Bible says if your brother wrongs you go and show him his fault What is step number one? Where do you go To who Which one which brother The one who wronged you how straight and clear is that instruction It's as clear as clear can be in other words let me translate this you have absolutely no business sharing or opening your mouth to somebody as the first point of contact unless that person is the one who has wronged you these are not my words you think this is easy for me to do it's not easy for me to do this is not the natural way somebody wrongs you you're all pumped you're really all uh, whatever the word you want to use you want to do something and it's not going to them to say to them mchala um, muganze when you did abcd you really hurt me when you did that that's not what you're feeling in any case if you go you might say different things than than what the bible is saying yeah. or even do Some of you know the job I do I work with children's aid so we respond to unfortunately on a daily basis we respond to things that are going on in the homes where there are children and the police has to involve, to get involved and then the police has to call us you get there <laughs> sometimes it's unbelievable the things that you find it is unbelievable and then when you think about this prescription and you think if only they had taken this prescription If only they had taken these steps a lot of uh, chaos would have been prevented <clears throat> but I bring you back I bring this back to you now as a, as a church in an effort to do more good than harm the bible has a prescription for you and I here that when a brother wrongs you go and show him his fault ha what does it say between you and him what not on uh, instagram not on facebook not on any of those things this is the this is a benjamin this is the very first attempt in and it's a private conversation 
We can paraphrase here and say, if I have an issue with you, Kathy, and the first person to hear of that issue is not you, I have violated this seemingly very simple procedure that the this is Jesus. This is the mouth of Jesus talking. I just need to highlight, to highlight that as well. Now, if anybody knew about how life works, it was Jesus. He is saying that if a brother wrongs you, be sure that if you decide to open your mouth to talk about this wrong that the person did, Pastor Baking, be sure that the ears that you're hearing that, that is going to come from your mouth, are the ears of that person that is concerned. I've told you so many times, I'm going to say it one more time, that if you decide that you're going to share something with Pastor Eddie, please always ask yourself these two questions and answer them before you come to me. These are the two questions. Is Pastor Eddie part of the problem or part of the solution? Please answer those questions before you come to me. Because once you figure that is part of the solution, then that's okay. I'll be so happy to give you my ears. If you figure I am part of the problem, absolutely. Let's do what the Bible is saying. Let us do whatever it takes to come back to peace. Because the Bible speaks uh, in the book of Psalms that how it delights God. God doesn't tell us of many things that delight him. But it delights him when he sees that his, his children are in one accord. It delights him. It brings a smile on his face to notice that his children are in one accord. So whatever it takes, you will be doing something that brings a smile on the face of your creator. What is the other prescription? So it's private. If people start from here, a lot of things will never go where they don't need to go. A lot of things go where they, need, where they don't need to go because we don't follow this seemingly very simple process. And what does it say next? If he listens to you, you have won back your brother. If he listens to you, you have won back the brother. But it's an if. <laughs> it's an if. It is possible that you might do that sincerely and you have to really gather yourself to be able to do something like this. So you gather your energy, you really try your best, and the brother doesn't listen. The brother doesn't listen. More like what Paul did to uh, the, 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 the synagogue in uh, chapter 18, uh, book of Acts. He said, your blood is on your hands. I have done my part. I've done my part. Your blood is on your hands. What does it say? Let's complete the, that process there. He says, if he listens to you, you have won your brother back. What is the next one? But if he does not listen, take along with you one or two others. Okay. At what point do we involve one or two? Uh -huh. Okay, yeah. At what point do we involve other people? After what? Not just approaching the brother after he has not listened to you. Now, if he listens to you, it means end of story. If you're going to be a Bible-believing, God-fearing uh, brother or sister. And also, if you're going to care about creating harm, then 
creating good instead of creating harm in the congregation, in the community, in the family. As you know my thing there, we always start in the family. Whatever these things you hear, think of them first of all in the context of your family. Some of you here are sitting on things that your family members did. Hey, I have had some other people in my own family. Forget, uh, I'm just going to talk about my own family. I have had some statements uh, that are, are very difficult to take in where one of the family members says something like, never even show up uh, on my graveside. Never show up on my graveside. Now, that kind of statement doesn't come from a person who is caring to have, to have harmony. Read that entire process and complete it by yourself. It is a prescription that you and I are definitely to benefit from when we consider doing more good than harm when we gather as a church. Now, about the food, believe it or not, there's also something I wanted to share with you as a prescription, and it's, it's very, very simple. When you're lining up for food, when you're getting together to eat, uh, ushers, could you please help us with the Holy Communion as we take the first five minutes, the next five minutes to do just that. When you gather to eat, here is the prescription, uh, Kefa. All you need to do is to make sure that the person behind you has something to eat. Is that simple? Very simple, straight. If you're lining up to eat, all you need to do, according to what Paul is suggesting here, which I appreciate also, all you need to make sure, Lindsay, is that the person behind you has something to eat. That's all. Is that simple? Yeah, that is very simple. Thank you. As we get ready for Holy Communion, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to do exactly uh, what he's intending to do in you and through you as he uses the word that he has just brought unto us. It is true that the, these words don't just randomly drop uh, from uh, uh, the ceiling. Uh, these words come at an appointed time and it is upon you and I to acknowledge that there was a word in there for me. There was a message in there for me. What I'm going to do here is to continue in that uh, uh, later as Paul continued to now go ahead and talk about uh, specifically when people gathered for Holy Communion. He was quite disappointed. He was, he was heartbroken as he, as he noticed that people were gathering to eat, but they were doing their own thing, uh, if, you may, if you may use that word. And as you also remember that you and I have been asked this question today, not to just think of it, but to really take it to heart and do something about it. And the question is, um, Sao Jeff, am I doing more harm than good? You can look at that in the context of your house. You can also look at that in the context of the community. When you look at your interactions in the community, are your interactions doing more harm than good? And this Holy Spirit that you have come today to seek, may he, the same way he has brought this word for you and to you this day, 
May he continue to give you the, the courage and the wisdom and the discipline to walk in this word. The Bible continues to say as we try to practice actually what we are talking about today, which is waiting on each other as we get ready to have Holy Communion. He continues to say in that very same place in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Yeah, you may give me um, uh, NIV as Mona. 11, and we're going to read together as we partake of Holy Communion and as the choir gets ready. Dear ushers, please uh, you just signal me when we are when you're ready. But in them, as we do that, uh, the Bible prescribes that any time we get together for Holy Communion, it is a time that is intentional for you and I to take a moment to look within, not to look to the side, but to look within, to look within and acknowledge that which you know mm, is not a way to continue living. And the very first ways to do that is to acknowledge if you have not received Christ, to acknowledge that that is not a way to continue living as to you and I are to take the Bible seriously. In fact, I'm aware that uh, in some uh, ministries, which is, uh, I, I, I tend to differ on that on a very uh, deeply theological level, in some ministries you would not partake in this conversation if you have not accepted Christ. Now I struggle to uh, find that uh, anywhere. When we gather together, we are gathering for fellowship. But it is an intentional time for you and I to reflect. It is an intentional time for you and I to reflect on the meaning. Because it says if you engage in Holy Communion without you acknowledging the reason as to why we engage in it, you have brought onto yourself a curse. That if you go ahead and partake in Holy Communion, without you acknowledging the reasons as to why people engage in Holy Communion. And what are the reasons? For you and I to remember three or four things. Remember the, well, the birth, remember the, the ministry, remember the death, and remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you engage in it for any other reason, the Bible says you bring a curse onto yourself. Because it says, so when... In verse 27 of chapter 11, First uh, Corinthians, it says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. I'm reading word to word what it is saying here. So that prayer of examine, that prayer that looks within, that prayer of repentancy. And the first repentance, as I invite you all, if you're standing here just before we get to the sharing of the body and the blood together, if you're in this audience and you have never accepted Jesus Christ, this is me taking this moment to invite you to do just this with me. You're going to 